You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8 records the cataclysmic event uh, that literally rearranged this planet and destroyed all living things, of course, with the exception of eight people. Noah, his wife, his sons, and his daughter-in-laws, and also all the animals that were in the ark. They were saved. The story of the worldwide flood is very familiar to most Christians, probably all of us here in this room. The events of the flood are greatly attacked by evolutionists who say that the human race evolved from lower life forms. They point to the fossil remains, the fossil records as their proof. And they say, look, all these layers right here, millions and billions and billions of years, and you start with lower life form until you become complex on the top there. The only issue with that is it's not really as that clear cut because some of the lower life forms are actually on the top and some of the more complex life forms are on the bottom. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, it doesn't make sense that way. If you're saying it evolved, that doesn't prove it, all right? So since none of us or them were in the ark, belief in the global flood or evolution is really a matter of faith, amen? I believe in it because I believe the Bible. And they believe in it because they believe whatever they can come up with. However, as Christians who believe in the record of God's word, we are in good company. The Old Testament, we just read it. The Old Testament, as we just read, bears record of this global flood. Not only that, but the apostle Peter, one of the three closest to Jesus, also wrote about this global flood. Let me read from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah... The eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Here's the apostle Peter talking about the flood, a worldwide flood. By the way, Peter also mentioned the flood when he wrote about the future judgment of this world. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of the coming? For since the, uh, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. That's talking about the original creation. For this, they, it says, they were willingly ignorant of that. And then it says, whereby the world, that one that God created, then was being overflowed with water perish. The original earth was overflowed with flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved the, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This world that we have now is also going to be judged, but not with a flood. God says he's going to burn it all out. You see? So Peter talks about the creation. Man became wicked. God destroyed men and everything else with the flood. We have the earth that we're living in now, which God will destroy, and God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. 
So not only does the Old Testament talk about the flood, the Apostle Peter talks about the flood, but our Savior, Jesus Christ, also said that the global flood was a reality. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, Jesus is talking, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. If you don't believe that Jesus cannot lie, what are you doing in church, amen? And Jesus just told us there was a Noah, and there was an ark, and there was a flood. Not only does the Old Testament bear this out, not only does the Apostle Peter witness to it, but Jesus himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life, said that the earth was destroyed by a flood. And Noah was a real person. So, I'm in good company, amen? I'd rather have the word of Jesus. <laughs> I'd rather have Jesus than anything else in the world, amen? I'd rather have the word of Jesus and the Bible than the guesses of so-called scientific experts. And by the way, don't be intimidated by these so-called experts. The Bible says that they are willingly ignorant of the truth. Get that. They are willingly. It's not that they are, they don't see it. They don't want to see it. They're willingly ignorant. Uh, see, the, the evidence for evolution is really not there. But if you hate God, and you hate the fact that God created you, you'll believe anything, you see. But because they don't want to accept what God said, they were willingly ignorant of the truth. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That phrase right there is to hold the truth down. It's to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You look at creation, you know there's a God, amen. It says, uh, it's being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I'd take Jesus' word over their word. You see, I'd rather have Jesus and what is word. So I guess I'll just stick with the Bible, amen? And as I mentioned, the fossil evidence doesn't prove evolution. It brings up a lot more questions, you see. But the flood settles a lot of questions, you see. Now let's go to our text this morning. We're talking about a storm. So it's going to be stormy here for a little bit, but we're going to go kumbaya after a while. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and... All thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Let me first say of all, Noah was a great man before God. And God used him and his family to preserve the human race. 
The Bible says that he found great favor with God. Turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, please, if you would. And I'll start reading in verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. And verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, they've estimated that during this time, the, the population of the earth is somewhere between 750 million, and to as many as about 4 billion people. Just imagine how wicked the world must have been that among that many people, only Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Just Noah. Everybody else was wicked in the eyes of God. It's only Noah. You say, you know, Noah's the only one, but seven other people were spared judgment. His wife, three sons, and three daughters-in-laws. By the way, there's a lesson there. Stay with the righteous man, amen? They were protected because they stayed. I'll say a little bit more about that. But seven other people were spared judgment. And somebody say, you mean he was only able to influence seven people with his righteousness? Just seven out of four billion people? By the way, don't forget that those seven people, actually six, his sons and daughters-in-laws, are the reason there's 8.1 billion people in the world today. <laughs> Think about that. All of us came from six people. All right? So don't, uh, don't, under, uh, don't underestimate the influence that a person might have. Noah only influenced his wife and his children. But because of that, we're alive today. 8.1 billion people today. We just never know what God can do with one righteous man that decides to live for God in an ungodly world. Of all the uh, people in the world, there was only one man that God looked at and said, I find favor with that man. He's a righteous man. Genesis 7, 2. The Bible says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Burpusin, you're not going there, are you? It seems like lately, not a day goes by where we don't hear about this gender issue. Now, it seems like I was telling my wife, uh, we were listening to, uh, uh, I think it was Matt Walsh or something like that, but it just seems like every single day, they're just trying to push this down our throats. It's like, man, we as a society are literally being made to accept that there are multiple genders. And they're going after the little children. You see, confusing them and telling them that it's okay to mutilate their bodies just because they think they're a boy when they're actually a girl, and vice versa. You see, preparing this message, my heart was heavy. I didn't want to go here. 
And I, I said, God, I said, God, my heart is heavy. And it's because of this right here. But that's what we have. That's what society we have. Uh, this, these uh, transgenders that are reading books to children in libraries. Uh, gender fluidity. I'm a boy one day. I'm a girl another day. I'm this another day. No, you're a boy all the time. You're a girl all the time. Now, I can see some of you crossing your arms already. And you know why that is? You're buying into it. You're buying into it. We're Christians. We're supposed to believe the Bible. And this is why it was heavy. Because I believe even in the Christian churches, Christians are buying into it. It's like they're thinking, oh, maybe that, there's truth to that. Maybe it is okay. You see, we don't need to affirm gender confusion. We need to stick with the Word of God. Amen. We are either male or female. Nothing else. Nothing else. Your child is either a boy or a girl. I heard of a parent, I think it was a five-year-old boy, and she was okay, a mother. She was okay to let the boy go through gender-affirming care. You know what that is? That's mutilation of the body, by the way. That's give, uh, giving you drugs so that you, your body doesn't go through normal puberty. And then mutilating body parts so that you're a boy, but now you, you, you're going to look like a girl. But here's a, mo a mother of a five-year-old boy. He says, you know what? My boy says he's, he's a girl. And so, you know what? I'm okay with the doctors doing whatever they need to do in order to transition my boy to a girl. That is a lie. And by the way, I'm sure that in a crowd this size, there are those who struggle with same-sex attraction. I'm talking to Christians. I'm sure that in a crowd this size, and those listening by way of the internet, that there are those who struggle with same-sex attraction. But just because you do does not mean that God made you that way. See, that's one of the things, not, not on the world there, but in Christian churches. That's why you have gay churches now. Because they say, you know what, that desire was given to you by God. And God is okay with that desire. You see, if that is the case, let's follow that logic. Then it's okay then for a person to get drunk because he or she has that desire for alcohol. But drunkenness is still sin. If, if that is the case, let's follow the logic. If that's the case, then it must be okay then for a married man or a married woman to have relations with someone else's wife or husband because they have an attraction to them. No, it's still adultery. It's still adultery. Is attraction there? Yes. But if you follow that attraction, it leads to sin. And the Bible says sin leads to death. I'm not saying that the attraction is not there. And by the way, I think that's where we old-time independent fundamental Baptist churches have hurt Christians. Because we deny 
The fact that that, that is real. Sure. Yeah. That is real. And you say, oh, you get over it. You man, you're sick. Are you sick? No, they're not sick. They're sinners. Just like you and I are sinners. Hey, man. You see, it's one thing to, uh, to preach about sin, but man, you got to do it with understanding. I'm not condoning the sin. I'm just saying understand it first before you crucify everybody else. Hey, man. I guarantee you in this room, there's somebody, a young person, maybe an old person, doesn't want to come out and seek for help. Why? Because it's, I'm being ridiculed. I'm being made fun of. I'm made to think like I'm sick. No. I'm no better sinner than you are. We're all sinners in the sight of God. I think we've forgotten how bad sin really is. I'm not condoning the sin. But all of us are capable of any sin. You see, he understands we have a sinful nature. Paul said in Romans 7, the things that I'd like to do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And you know what he says? There's a struggle within every Christian. Within every single person in this room, if you're a child of God, there is a struggle. You see? The desires, attractions are going to be there. But God did not make you that way. It is sin that dwells in our mortal bodies. God did not approve of homosexuality. Romans child or any sin, adultery, whatever sin you can come up with, whatever sin the Bible says. There's always an attraction to it. Why would they elevate one over the other? Sin is sin. I mean, if you're a sinner, you're going to die and go to hell. It's all the same. But Paul said, Romans 7, 19, For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth. In me, What we need to understand as Christians, we did not become perfect once we got saved. We still have that wicked, carnal flesh that struggles with the Holy Spirit. No, God is not okay with homosexuality or any other sin. And just because you have a desire to engage in whatever sinful behavior, God just did not make you that way. And by the way, and if you're here and you're struggling with that, get help. Don't hide. But the problem is, I think they've, sh they've shied away because they know they've been ridiculed. For some reason, we take that one sin and, and ridicule and just and, and make that the, like, make the anathema. No, you can't be that way. The problem is, if you guys are really honest, you know you're struggling with it. And you're struggling with other sins as well. It's time to just admit that. You can't get help until you first admit it's sin. And God's not okay with it. God did not make us that way. God made Adam and Eve perfect. But because they sinned, they, they had the sinful nature. And that's how wicked our nature is. And Paul even said, Paul, a great man of God, says the things I'd like to do, those things I don't do. And the things I would do, those things I don't. It's because of the struggle. The hope is this. God wants to deliver us from whatever struggles we have. 
if we would just let him. The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the start right there. The start is acknowledging to God, say, God, it is sin. God, it is sin. And then just obey God and say, God, you know what? You told me to not hang around those things that would entice me to do those sin. Are we okay? I'd rather have Jesus, amen. amen. And I think you do too. Amen. But if you are struggling, not just that sin, but any sin, get help. Amen. Don't go years and years hiding and saying, you know what, they, they didn't care about me or they hated me and all that. No. And so there's that gay Christian churches is a big thing. I don't know how they preach that. I don't know how they take the word of God and preach it. It's kind of hard when you twist it. But God says male and female. And when God created Adam and Eve, it was male, female. When God destroyed every living thing, God started again, and it's male and female. And it's never been anything else after that or ever after that. It's always been male and female. By the way, and if you're here, you say, no, I, I don't believe that. Well, don't take it up with me, please. Don't, do not do that. Honestly sit down with the Word of God. If you're here and you say, I believe the Bible. Okay, honestly then sit down with the Word of God and figure it out for yourself. Because it is not there. It's not there. Noah was a righteous man. A man that God noticed out of all the people. For many years, Noah built the ark. The Bible says that during that time, he also preached righteousness and judgment to come. Just imagine the ridicule he must have faced every single day. Preaching about a worldwide flood. I'm sure news traveled far and wide that in this part of the world, there's a man building a big boat. Maybe Noah became a tourist attraction. And some of the people, the business-minded people out there, they, uh, they uh, uh, built a stand. And they sold tickets. Come see the big boat. Come see the crazy man. You see? People were made, making money out of Noah. Noah finally gets done with the construction. God tells Noah, it's time to take the animals inside the ark. He gathered the animals together for seven days. And when he was done, he went inside the ark with his family. If they were made fun of all those many years, imagine what it looked like now. Here's a man and his family with animals in a boat. <laughs> He's gone off the deep end. There's no water. He's in a boat with animals. He's inside the ark. Let me say another thing. Noah's wife stayed with him. He wasn't just Noah. They were making fun of those years that the ark was being built. His wife was there with him as well. But she stayed there alongside her husband. By the way, she had many years and opportunities to leave. As good as Noah was, I'm sure he was not perfect, and there were times when he and Mrs. Noah had arguments. Because every couple in this room had arguments. How many couples have never had an argument? Raise your hand. Good. Everybody's telling the truth. Because if you did, liar. All right. But you know what? She stayed with Noah. By the way, what a blessing that was. When times are hard, 
That is not the time to be leaving your rightful place. Noah's wife belonged by his side, and that's where she stayed. But I'm talking again to Christians. Too many quit when times get hard. You know, our marriage vows, when we said them, are for better or for worse. Remember that. You, child of God, who married that husband, who married that wife, it is for better or for worse. You see, you don't bail out of marriage because things get rough. How hurt Job must have felt when his wife said, curse God and die. That's a betrayal of Job. By the way, who is trying to please God. I remember that, uh, that story comes to mind when David came back uh, and brought the ark and he was giving gifts to everybody. And Micaiah, uh, and when he came home, he says, oh, how great, how beautiful was the king and, you know, unrobed himself and all that. And, and David said this, it was for the Lord, idiot. No, he didn't say idiot. <laughs> but it was that spirit. It's like, it was for the Lord. I was doing it for God, and I needed you, your support uh, serving God, and you did not give it to me, you see. What a testimony for Mrs. Noah. By the way, his children stayed with him as well. Yeah. I guess it would have been a temptation for those uh, boys to say, no, Dad, I'm not helping you build the ark. You're crazy. But they stayed with Noah. And by the way, what a testimony that is for young people today. The sons of Noah faced just as much ridicule as their father did, but they embraced the faith of their father and identified with his God. Young people, don't throw it all away when you become an adult. Stay with your parents, God, and their faith. And by the way, let me say this. Figure out, young people, what you believe. As a young person... You are told this and this and this and this is true. But as you grow up, figure it out. You see, we should not tell you how to believe. You should learn what you believe. When you work your kids, no, you don't, you know, you don't do a lot of the thinking. But you know what? By the time you get out of the house, you better know why you go to church. You better know why you're going to heaven. You better know why, why it's important to, to give and all that. You better know why, why it's important to serve God. You better know why, all that. Why? Because when trials come, you'll not be moved from this. See, you don't say, well, I believe that because mom and dad believes it. That's good for a point, up to a point. But after a while, I believe that because that book tells me that. Don't grow up not knowing what you believe. And some of you young, young people today, you don't know what you believe. That's why your flow, uh, you know, something attractive comes this way, you, you go that way, and this way you're just floating everywhere. No, figure out where you believe and stand on it because the Word of God never changes, amen? amen. All right, Barafusin, let's go to Kumbaya for, uh, already. And by the way, not only did his wife stayed with him, his children stayed with him, but Noah stayed with God. You know, think about it. There was really nowhere on planet Earth that would have been a better place for Noah and his family. There was no greener pastures. If he moved there, it was a flood zone. If he moved 50 miles away, it was a flood zone. 
And so I move 100 miles away, it's still a flood zone. The whole world was a flood zone. There was nowhere to go. But there was only one place where the ark was. And Noah stayed with the ark. You see, uh, be careful, mom and dad, about moving your family away from the place of safety that God has put in them. Whatever your motivations are, your cheaper houses over there, more money over there, less stress for over there, we better make sure that over there is where God really wants you to go. Noah's decisions to stay not only affected him, but his entire family. And by the way, by extension, all of us today. You might be here already and, and thinking, I'm moving. I'm going to take the equity and go somewhere cheaper. Be careful. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. You just never know. You might be going to a flood zone. Just never know. After seven days, the water came. Turn with me, look for, with me again in Genesis chapter 7. I'm getting to the end of the message. Make you feel good. Genesis chapter 7 verse 10. It came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth uh, 40 days and 40 nights. Keep that in mind, 40 days and 40 nights. In the selfsame day, uh, Noah entered, uh, uh, they entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after this kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind of every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they, had, and they all went in and went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. By the way, that's a, that's a picture of salvation is only through God in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It is God that shuts us in. Amen? He's the only one. Only one door, by the way, into the ark. And there's only one way to heaven. Noah and his family were inside. Imagine the un uncertainty. Maybe a little fear. By the way, think about it. To have that flood, that magnitude. The Bible says the, the fountains of the great deep were broken up. Those are tremendous explosions. The bottom of the sea. And by the way, tsunamis after tsunami after tsunami. That's how the earth was covered. That's how violent the flood was. You see. And here's Noah and his family in the middle of all that, in a boat, and they can't see outside. And remember, God only told him that the, the, that the rains will fall for 40 days and 40 nights. Being inside, I don't know if Noah really could count the days and nights. But this goes on for a month, then two months, then three months, and then five. Noah's saying, I thought it was just 40 days. And here he was in the middle of all that catastrophe, that storm. Now we come to the message. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. Yeah. And God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. Are you going through a storm and not knowing when it's going to end? Perhaps not even knowing where God was. Take comfort in those words. And God remembered Noah. By the way, God never forgets. And God remembered Noah. 
God has not forgotten. God knows exactly where you're at. He has not left you alone. You see, it felt alone to Noah. But guess who was in heaven looking down and watching that ark? It was God himself. He is right there looking at you. Here was Noah drifting aimlessly, not knowing what is going on. Then the Bible says, and God remembered Noah. And by the way, when God remembers, he places on solid ground. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in, in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. That means it started to go down. The fountains also, the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month. That's another two more months. On the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Are you right with God and trying to live for God, and yet it seems like this just, things are just a mess? It seems like there's no end in sight? Don't forget that God remembers, amen? Just keep trusting God. He's leading you to solid ground. By the way, God came to Abraham and told him what he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pleads for his nephew Lot. The next day, early in the morning, Abraham got up and looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, wondering, did God answer my prayer? Was Lot spared from destruction? Genesis 19, 27, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and looked all, toward all the land of the plain, and behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities of which Lot dwelt. Just keep pleading with God. Just keep pleading with God. God remembers. Hannah could not have children. She prayed to God and said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, and they rose up early in the morning. By the way, she did the same thing she'd been doing every year. But this time it was different. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. I don't know what the storms are you're going through life, but I would imagine some of you are going through very deep, deep storms. And you're like Noah. It says, I thought it was going to be done in 40 days. It's been five months. When is it ever going to stop? I can't see God. But don't forget that God remembers. God remembers. You're living for God, trying to do what's right, yet the storms come. You plead urgent prayer requests. Your problems that seem to have no answers. God remembers. If you're here, by the way, if you're here and you're not saved, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven. Let me tell you about a thief on a cross. When Jesus was crucified, there was two other with him, two thieves and Christ. For a while there, the, both thieves were mocking Jesus, but one kept watching Jesus. He saw the sign on top of his head, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He heard him talking to people uh, that, that were beneath his cross. He heard him talking to his heavenly father. 
And after a while, he looked at us. He told the other thief, he says, you know, you and I deserve to be here. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus. And he said, Lord, remember me. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and says, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. God wants to take you to heaven. But he's the only one that can. We're not going to go to heaven because of our good works, our religion, your money, your talents. No. We're going to heaven because of Christ alone. And God remembered Noah. God knows all about what you're going through. You're not alone. I can see Noah inside the ark doing what he's been doing for months. Feeding the animals. Perhaps doing some repairs to the ark. But I also imagine Noah doing what he was known for. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. I would imagine Noah getting up every day. Walking with his God. And he kept doing that even though he did not know what God was doing. All he knew was 40 days and 40 nights. But he was five months already. What is it this morning that's caused you uncertainties and doubts and fear, anxiety, concern? God remembers. Turn to Psalm 8 4. We'll finish with this, please. Thank you for being so patient. This is a wonderful psalm. Psalm chapter 8. And the Bible says here, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Let me continue, right? Let me get there so I don't misquote it. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avengers. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. When the, uh, what the psalmist was saying, David was saying, when I look at your creation, he says in verse 4, what is man? That thou art what? Mindful. Of him and the Son of Man that thou visitest him. That's an interesting word, visited. It doesn't mean Jesus knocks on the door, hey, I'm just here for a visit. That's not what he's talking about. It's more like a doctor's visit. A doctor comes to the house, says, I just want to check. Is everything okay? Everything all right? What can I do? To help you. And that's what Jesus is doing. He says, I've come to visit. What is it that I can do for you? And God remembered Noah. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.